Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of emc2learning.com, the greatest community of educators around. Uh, let's dive into today's episode. It is season seven, episode 14. We are talking about students as game designers and... This is always something that comes up when John and I run a training. Definitely teachers start to talk about, you know, couldn't the students create the game or the activity? Answer, of course, is always yes. There are some reasons not to do that or not to overplay that. There's ways I sort of build it into my game, and that is going to be today's episode. We're going to talk a little bit about how I build in that student creation to give them sort of let them feel their fingerprints start showing up on the game, uh, I think is an important moment uh, for students or for some students buy-in. Other students love the mystery, and I think that's where I'm going to start with a cautionary tale. If you let the students design everything, some teachers are like, hey guys, we want to have a gamified class. Can you guys pick up, with, pick up a theme, pick up this? You lose the thread because it is no longer your game. You've, you've given so much over to the student because you want it to be make them excited or you know get them loving the game and they choose a topic you don't care about like uh, for example I'm not a Pokemon guy I can't really tell you a whole lot about the Pokemon world I know they they evolve I know there's a card game I don't really even know how the card game works and I'm a huge gamer uh, but that's just not my thing so if I, if I let my kids decide my theme of my overarching game which for me is the realm of nobles uh, and they made it into a Pokemon game, that would be a tremendous amount of work on my part. And what happens if I end up not liking the Pokemon world? Now, I have to continue that metaphor day in and day out, use Pokemon vocab to sort of describe what we're doing. We're taking a quiz today, but instead of calling it a quiz, I call it some Pokemon world thing that I have to memorize. Don't love it. So realize there is that cautionary tale of if you give everything over to the student, you might burn out on the game. And one of the things I talk about in terms of sustainability about developing a gamified class, if you're really going to gamify your whole class, that takes a lot of time and a lot of intentionality. But one way you start to pay dividends on that is if you stick with the same theme year over year. If you talk to some of the people that have been following the Explorer like a pirate crew, my OG crew that was on XP Lap, uh, a lot of those people, much like me, chose a theme and stuck with that theme. Or maybe they tried one or two themes over the first few years and then they stuck with that and now their their game is richer, more powerful. The kids love it more than other gamified classes because it's a richer world because the teacher could create a richer world because they didn't keep shifting themes and it was a theme that the teacher knew they loved and could stick with. But there's my big cautionary tale. Here's the where I let my students create. Here's my advice and my tips for how my students get to create inside my game. One, I have an item that students can earn that allows them to, well, two different items actually. One item allows them to create new items. That, that doesn't mean they actually get to like make them and have them and use them. It's kind of like they get to invent new items and the, the flow for that, I have them actually use a Google slide and I want them to give me the artwork that they think would be really good. So I already possibly have some artwork that I might use if I want to create this into an item. They've already done some of that legwork for me. They need to come up with the title. Uh, 
they need to tell me what unit this would apply for because I have like sets and it, there's all year set. There is each unit is a set of cards. So they tell me which unit it's for, the title of the card, if I didn't say that already. And then what does it do? And here's the biggest challenge, right? Like anybody can come up with cool, like, yeah, we should have the Cyclops card. Yeah, we should have the like, you know, archer card or we should have the thief card but like yeah those are just names like what does it do so they have to come up with what it does uh, then on the item that they have that's allowing them to create these items it says if i create the item that they have come up with they might get paid in gold in xp or possibly the item itself that's at my discretion but uh i have found the system to be really good because you are choosing who to give that item creation power to. I always offer it to some kids, you know, like I think, oh, man, you would really like this, Greg, uh, and see what, where he takes it. But anybody that takes it now is inspired. Like they, they have that feeling that they have the ability to create where others don't. And I think that sense of ownership drives them to creating a, a few more of these things, which is always helpful. On that note... I have them continue to add to the same slideshow. So if they make two or three more items, I tell them to continue to add it to the same slideshow, but just make a new and old section. So they put a slide that's titled like old items and a slide that's titled like new items and they put the two or three items. And then I tell them to give me editing rights because then I'll slide things down below if I've like looked at them and used them. But now it's nice. I can be kind of reminded what's there. And maybe if I have a little extra time, maybe I actually go create one of the ones that I've already looked at. It's just nice to have them all in one spot. So there's a tip. Now, on that same space and place for creation, I also have an item that allows kids to create quests. And this isn't that they actually have to go do and execute the quest. However, this one allows them that opportunity if they want. So they can generate a quest that might be available for other kids, but they also can, if they wish, just do the write-up for it. I have all my quests show up as a Google slide, and so they have to come up with the artwork, the name, the directions, right, for that quest uh, in kind of my style. And then for bonus points slash, you know, power-ups, items, all these things, they can actually go do the quest. So now I have the quest card that I might use for everybody else. And I already have an example that I'm like, oh, man, this this was cool. This is really neat. Like, yes, I want to turn this into a quest. Same thing. They may get paid in gold, uh, XP, or badges and items. And they have absolutely loved this. I have created some quests from that. Uh, it has been really cool. And I'll admit, I have different students. Some students just like to create the idea of the quest and not actually build out the quest. And that's fine. They get paid a lower rate. Uh, and then the kids that actually go and do the quest, that's also cool that they get to do that. Um, I found that to be really, really fun. I will tell you for both of those, I don't limit the amount of times you can use it because uh, my first version of both those, it was something that they got, I think, three uses on. And I found kids had too much of like a hoarding mentality. They like liked having the card, but they never wanted to use the card because they didn't want to use up one of the attempts. And so in this one, I would say, because they're doing some of your work for you and you can find it more beneficial if they give you more attempts and in fact we know that iterative process helps the creation process so maybe removing that 
restriction is is better for everyone, both the student and the outcomes you're hoping for. So there's a tip. Another area that I let students create in, I don't actually have an item or power up for this. This one's just more open discussion is I usually in like a study hall or something, if one of my kids aren't doing stuff, I might come over and say, hey, you know, I'm working on a new boss battle. And I was wondering, you know, like, what are some mechanics you think we could do with the bosses, you know, and, and they start telling me about video games. And some, sometimes out of that conversation, there's a genesis of something I can do in my game where they're like, ooh, in this board game, in this card game, there's this guy that does this, this, and this. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, one of those I could use. So then all of a sudden, boom, you have a new boss battle, boss power, where kids getting wrong answers, this boss does X. And those discussions are also relational, so it serves two purposes. One, the students feel like there is a flexibility to your game. There is the ability to change it. And that the ability that the game itself is growing and morphing over time. I think that's cool. And then there's that relational moment where you're sitting down with kids and you're talking about this game and how it's designed. And I would tell you, give yourself over to whatever the questions come. Because as your students ask, like, where have you come up with this? How long have you done it? Have that relational moment so that they realize that they're part of something bigger. Uh, that is played really well, even if some of those things ended up not getting created. On that last note, if you're going to allow student creation, this kind of crescendo moment here would be have conversations with kids just in general. Talk about the game. Talk about the things you're struggling. Talk about what you need. Sometimes I just say like, oh man, I have some OP, overpowered, that stands for, items in my game. But you know what I need? I need some more daily items. And just have that conversation, whether it's at recess duty with the three kids that are standing around you, or uh, if you eat lunch with your kids sometimes, like have those discussions at study hall, whatever. Again, open up the dialogue with your students because that dialogue can lead to some pretty awesome design. And dialogue to design uh, launch is pretty awesome. And again, they really feel part of it and they feel like they're helping you out. And I think a lot of kids really like that. And I think that's true, whether it's first grade all the way through 12th grade. Again, the number of students that might do that change. But again, that power of building that relationship is always there. So I'd like to thank you guys all for listening to today's well-played podcast. I hope you think about ways to have your students be game designers. Remember that cautionary tale at the beginning. You want there to be some surprise as well. So I always like to make sure I'm designing a bit more than they are designing. I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you have loved being part of Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. We hope you keep stopping by. As always, if you want to comment on today's episode, Use the hashtag WellPlayedPodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Tag me at Mr. Matera. Love to hear from you. All right, everybody. Have a great day and play on.